CHUM AM Toronto is TSN 1050, an iHeart Radio station. The Leafs live here. He goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. All right, welcome in Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. We are off, AB. It's Julie Tashiri and Mike DiStefano with you. The Leafs in action tonight at home. They're hosting their Celebrating Black Excellence game tonight versus the Minnesota Wild. And finally, AB, it feels like, and I know they didn't beat all those teams, so I'm not going to sit here and act like, oh, the Leafs, they had such an easy time the past couple weeks. They were playing all non-playoff teams, and that was the case. So tonight they'll get the opportunity to see a, Maybe a little bit of a heavier opponent in the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, absolutely. Like th- this is a team that's won four straight games. I want to say like this is this is a team that started to pick it up. Like coming out of the All Star break, I was looking at their schedule. Like they were teetering. They were kind of looking like Calgary in a way where it's like they're on the outside looking in, but they've rattled off four straight, and and this is going to be a, a tough opponent for sure for Toronto. Looks like Samsonov is going to get the start. Funny enough. Samsonov has never played against the Minnesota Wild, so he's checking off that box, and that leaves only Seattle as the only other team that he hasn't played, which they'll play on Sunday. So maybe they get the, the start there as well. But, uh, yeah, it, it should be a good game, but this is a chance for Toronto to test their, their big guns, I guess, now that they've got that top six locked and loaded with O'Reilly, Tavares, and Marner. This is a chance to, to you know see what they look like against playoff-caliber talent. Yeah, and they're going to need to take a look at that because last night another big trade went down in the NHL and maybe more specifically for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the Atlantic Conference. The rich just get richer, A.B. The Boston Bruins, who are already pretty comfortably the best team in the NHL, blowing everybody out of the water in the standings points-wise so far this season, have acquired Garnett Hathaway and Dmitry Orlov from the Washington Capitals. And this one kind of came as a surprise last night. Uh, on the day that Alex Ovechkin returned from Russia, mourning his dad's death, he missed four mm-hmm. games, he came back. Um, I had already bet on Washington in the game because I was expecting kind of a good feel-good <laughs> moment from the Washington Capitals. And then it comes out right before they hit the ice that they're not playing Orlov and Hathaway for trade-related reasons. So we think to ourselves, okay, so maybe they'll get traded in the next three what? weeks based on the way things what? are going. Exactly. What a bizarre scenario yeah. where they scratch guys for trade-related reasons and then actually get them dealt before a game is played. What a strange situation what a concept, there, huh? eh? Wow. Yes, it was nice to see this because <laughs> they scratched him, and, and that was kind of the Washington Capitals waving the white flag on this season, A.B. They were one of the teams that yeah. kind of everyone was waiting to make a call. Okay, are you buying or selling? It's hard to sell when you have one, uh, Alex Ovechkin still, and, and you kind of expect teams like Pittsburgh and Washington to try to compete every year, but I guess the angle with Washington is is punting on this season and then trying to rebuild for for next. And I I think that's admirable when you look at your team and and you think to yourself, okay, let's be realistic for a second. I know we have Alex Ovechkin and things are going to be hard once he retires. We only have so many years left of him. But I don't think my group could win this year. Let's set it up so they can can do something next year. And and Orlov, kind of the, the main piece here, 
kind of has Leafs Nation buzzing over whether or not he was available when the Leafs made that O'Reilly trade. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What, what did you think about that? Well, AK, AK in the morning was talking about that, right? Like he's saying, well, it would, would O'Reilly maybe, like, if, if Orlov was available, maybe they should have went after O'Reilly potentially, or Orlov instead of O'Reilly potentially. And I don't know. I guess it's, it's revisionist history, and, and it remains to be seen. We'll see how things play out. But in terms of what this trade means, like, Boston got better, right? And that's that's tough to do when, when they're already the best team in the NHL, but they certainly got better. They added a, a, a tough, tough top four defenseman who's been uh, you know one of the top you know defenders in the last three years I think I saw like Jay fresh put out uh, put out a uh, you know a little card saying the last three years he's been top 10 in uh, expected gar which is essentially like goals above replacement uh, a war statistic for the NHL so he's been a, an elite defenseman for the Washington Capitals for uh, for a long time. So being able to insert a bona fide second pair defenseman into that already really good defensive group and a deep team already and then adding Garnett Hathaway as well as a little fourth line cherry on top. Yeah. Like there's no holes in this Boston Bruins team. Like there already wasn't many holes like you'd be nitpicking, but now that is just such a, a souped up beefed up team. It's crazy. Yeah, Chris Johnson, our TSN Hockey Insider, will join us in just a moment, and he'll continue to break this down with us. But, yeah, A.B., that was that was kind of what stuck out to me. I wasn't even sure. I, the Boston Bruins were kind of a question mark to me ahead of the deadline as well because, of course, when your team's that good, you want to add a piece to give them a hand. But they just have such a tight locker room. They seem so unbeatable right now that there's also a risk that you run, I think, with, with messing with that. But these two pieces that they've brought in just seem to be like the perfect fit for the Boston Bruins. And Craig mentioned uh, Craig Button mentioned on Jay's show yesterday, which was a good point, I thought, A.B., like, this is the Boston Bruins reloading. They're just going to be good again. We all expect the Boston Bruins to fall off at some point. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it's true. Like, this team just consistently keeps getting better, and they reload. But we'll see. Like, that's that's an aging core. It's going to be tough to replace Bergeron and, and obviously, Brad Marchand as, as they age. And when they're giving up first-round picks consistently, and then they gave up another one yesterday, you know, it's tough to reload uh, that quickly. But, to your point, they're not going away. Like, I, I thought coming into the year, maybe they'd take a step back. There was at one point we thought Boston could be completely blowing it up. We, we, we saw the coach get fired. We weren't sure if Bergeron was going to come back. Thought maybe he was leaning toward retirement. Marshawn was supposed to be out for the first two months of the season. You had McAvoy, who's out for a while. And all of a sudden, though, you look, and they just powered through all of that and said, no, nah, we're just going to go out and be the best team in the league. I saw a stat last night through 57 games. They tied the 1978-79 Flyers for the best record through set 57 games in NHL history. Like, they're literally a historic team at this point, and they went out and got even better by adding Orlov and Garnett Hathaway. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's madness, and last night that news broke, and we all texted into the group chat equally sick to our stomachs because we know they stand right in the Leafs' way on their march to the Stanley Cup. And with that, let's bring in our TSN Hockey Insider, just, just one of the best dudes to talk to around this time of year. Trade deadline looming, and we always have our Friday lunch dates with Chris Johnson. How's it going, CJ? I'm doing well. Apologies. If I'm uh, if I'm a little distracted because my phone's going crazy right now. Yeah, I bet it What's is. What's going on, CJ? Fill us in. I don't want to say anything because nothing's confirmed. It sounds like something might be happening with uh, Kane, but we'll 
We'll keep plugging away here. Ooh, Ooh okay. All right, so- sounds good. So st- stay tuned. Something's happening there potentially. Um, well, let's let's start with the the trade we saw last night because we were just talking about it. The Bruins got better adding Orlov and Hathaway. The deal seemed to come together rather quickly, though, because you had reported on Insider Trading that Orlov was was hitting the market, it seemed like, and then by Thursday afternoon he was sitting for trade-related reasons, and then, poof, actually dealt before the game was played. Strange concept of late. Um, What do you know about how that uh, deal went down and how much scarier this makes the Bruins? Well, pretty decisive piece of action um, from the, the Washington Capitals. I mean, they had discussion with Dmitry Orlov's agent into this week um, about a contract extension. And, and obviously they got to a point where they just felt there wasn't going to be a deal there to be made that would work for either side. And, you know, all of a sudden the Capitals become sellers. It's the first time we've seen this in almost, you know, what, 15, 16 years that that, that team hasn't been buying at the deadline. And, you know, I, I believe other GMs started to learn over the weekend that, that Orlov was possible for them. You know, obviously Boston had had a deal at least somewhat on the line uh, for Gavrikov with Columbus. I'm I'm not saying it was done-done, but there had been discussions there, and there was a thought there was a fit. And then they pivoted towards Orlov and and got Garner Hathaway as well. And, I mean, look, the the Bruins aren't a team that needed a whole lot. Um, But but when you add a defenseman that's playing 23 minutes a night in Washington, as Orlov was, and and, has been a top-bearing guy in his career, I'm not sure exactly how he'll slot in on a pretty deep Bruins blue line. I mean, they... They get more formidable, and, and, you know, it's an all-in season for them. We've seen the Rangers already trade away a first-round pick to get Tarasenko. Obviously, the Leafs did what they did in, in the O'Reilly-Achari deals. I, I still think we'll see something from Tampa. New Jersey and Carolina are active. I mean, the Eastern Conference is extremely competitive uh, on the trade front, but then obviously in the standings. And, and, you know, only one of these teams can be left standing once we get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, and it's going to be a death march through the East to get there with our TSN Hockey Insider Chris Johnston right now. And I was reading through Aaron Portsline's piece in The Athletic today about Gavrikov and, and what this Orlov deal could mean for Orlov's asking price and, and the market around him. It, it sounded like there was kind of a deal in place, or, or at least the Blue Jackets thought there was a deal in place with, with Boston until this Orlov deal came down last night. What, what do you make of that situation? Well, this is why we say nothing's done until it's done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, obviously, extensive amount of conversations going on right now uh, across the league between general managers. You know, but until you have that trade call and, and everything's confirmed, it's not done. Uh, certainly, the Bruins don't, don't think they had a deal done on Gavrikov, but, but I think there was an understanding that there was mutual interest there. You know, enough that, that Columbus started scratching Gavrikov for the trade-related reasons five games ago. And so now now they're in an interesting spot. You know, I, there, there's certainly still interest in Gavrikov, but I know teams like Edmonton, you know, even Toronto, you know, who at least inquired on the player, just didn't like the price. You know, it looked like it was going to take a first and third round pick to get him. And I don't know where that stands right now. I mean, now, now that... Uh, the, the Bruins are out of the mix. You know, maybe it opens the door for the Leafs or Oilers, or maybe the LA Kings, to get back involved uh, more heavily in Gavrikov talks, and maybe you're getting them at a discount. I mean, all along, I've been talking to people that thought this was going to turn into a buyer's market. I don't think it's been that with the big trades we've seen so far. It's been pretty, you know, pretty big prices paid. I think they're fair prices, but you know, no one's getting a discount on all these rentals with the first rounders plus 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 going out the door. Uh, but maybe as we get closer here in the next week to the actual deadline itself, um, you know, we'll see some of the prices come down. And I think Gavrikov is a candidate for sure. 
to be in that situation. Uh, CJ, what are you hearing around the league on what the Leafs are uh, still looking to do with their link to? Are they still looking for another Ford? Are they looking for uh, a top defenseman? What's the latest with Toronto? I think it's a focus on D. I mean, it's not to say they won't add a forward, but, you know, this is this is a pretty robust market for defensemen. I mean, even the fact we've seen an Orlov traded, you know, Washington also has Eric Gustafson and Nick Jensen on D that I think are, are you know, both could be had if you were interested. You know, Nashville, you know, appears to be trending towards seller. They've got Matthias Ekholm and, and Ryan McDonough, you know, plus all the names that have been out there for months, whether it's Gavrikov, Jake McCabe, Luke Shen, you know, right on down the list, Joel Edmondson in Montreal. And so I think the Leafs are keeping an open mind. They're surveying the entire market and seeing what they can get done. Uh, you know, I think there's interest in a player like Shen, for example, who's been scratched now in Vancouver for the trade-related reasons. Um, but, you know, it doesn't mean that they're only focused there. I think that that, that would be a move maybe if they, they strike out elsewhere or if some of the, the, the bigger names, um, you know, come off the board, then, then maybe they look at that. Um, but I, I think that Toronto's in a nice spot and that it can, can just sort of sit back and see what develops. And, and, you know, the Leafs only have so much draft capital. They only have so much cap space. But, you know, I, I think if we're we're talking, you know, next Friday after 3 p.m. anyways and the Leafs haven't added another defenseman, I'll be surprised. Yeah, I'm curious about the the whole cap space situation. Like, how much money do the Leafs have to make another sizable deal, CJ? I, I did see a lot of people on Twitter assume they'd have a lot of money after the Jake Muzzin announcement, but I know that's that's not the case. He'd been on LTIR, and they kind of used much of that through the season and then with the O'Reilly deal. But how much money would they have to make another sizable deal? Well, it depends. I mean, if it's a player coming off the roster, you know, the, it, there could be a little bit more. You know, I, I think that they're positioned to have – what maybe 1.8 million in in LTI room, depending what they do with their players. You know, they just passed Joey Anderson through waivers. They could send him now to the minors to create a little space. Wayne Simmons has been sent down. You know, but potentially they 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 might put Jordy Ben on waivers and and you know have the ability to, to get his contract out. So there's some maneuverability there um, that that impacts that number. But then of course you know if, if they're getting a defenseman, maybe you know they're they're trading out a Justin Hall or one of the forwards on an expiring deal. Um, you know, I, I don't think they necessarily want to do that, but you know, those options are there depending on what kind of player they're in on. And so I, w- I would put it this way. I, I think if there's someone they want bad enough, they can pretty much make room for, for any one individual player. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying they're trading for Eric Carlson. Don't, don't, mm. don't twist that too much, but, certainly <laughs> anyone on, but, but anyone on an expiring contract, you know, that they might be interested in, I think from a cap perspective, there's ways to make it work. We've already seen them, you know, pass Ryan O'Reilly's contract through Minnesota as a third party to get the hit down. You know, Montreal, the team that I know is willing to do that. There's there's some others out there. So, you know, with with how skilled Brandon Pridham is at managing the cap and, and just, I think, really the way the Leafs have done business going back several seasons, like they always can shoehorn someone in. Um, and, and so I, I don't know that cap space will be the one thing that, you know, that they can't make three moves, I don't think, unless there's definitely money going out. But I think they could make any one addition, you know, pretty comfortably. And, and then it just is a matter of, you know, what's the cap it coming in in terms of dictating what they have to do to make that work. Uh, yeah, Kyle Dubas and Brandon Pridham, true gurus at boogieing around the cap. So interested to see what they have up their sleeves over the next week from today when the trade deadline hits. Uh, with our TSN Hockey Insider, Chris Johnston, right now, and before yesterday, the trade of the week, CJ, was Zaitsev for future considerations. Uh, it kind of signals that there's another move to come from the Ottawa Senators. Anything happening around there on your radar? 
Well, you know, they, they've been pretty aggressively looking to get a defenseman even before the Zaitsev deal. Um, you know, I think they'd like to add another center as well. And, and you know, the Senators, as much as people might chuckle, you know, haven't, haven't counted themselves out of the playoff race yet. And so, you know, I don't have the specific target because I think that they've really spread, a, you know, kind of a wide berth here. Every defenseman's for. been linked to Ottawa, it seems. Well, yeah. because I think to some degree they're having those conversations that, you know, yeah. They needed a D all year. Like that I think this was a conversation we probably would have had in training camp and, and yep. the results have sort of borne it out. It's it's you know, they've got some nice young players coming along, you know, Sanderson uh, playing in their lineup and, and that, but but they, they could use a little bit more on the back end. And so I, I think that, that Pierre Dorian is, is pretty aggressively pushing that market and by getting rid of Zaitsev's deal, I think he's just freed himself up to you know, take on a, a contract not just for this season, but one that, that extends into future seasons. And so we'll, we'll see what he can come up with. But, you know, you, you can find one common thread through all these moves, right? I mean, all the big players, that's being Bo Horvat, Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, Dmitry Orlov, all those players that Sally retained in their deals, a couple of them had third-party teams. Then you've seen other trades like, you know, the Weber contract going from Vegas to Arizona or Zaitsev going from Ottawa to Chicago. I mean, those are all about clearing cap space. I mean, that that's... That's the name of the game right now is, is every team that's looking to add is, is kind of got to subtract something, and, and we've seen a number of teams do it, and I think it sets up for a busy next seven days into the deadline. Uh, keep it on the tour around Canada, I suppose. One of those teams that has said they're dollar in, dollar out, the Edmonton Oilers. There's a lot of chatter last couple of weeks about maybe uh, them being interested in Eric Carlson. It seemed to have quieted down a little this week, but what do you think the Oilers are up to in the next seven days? Well, Certainly, they're trying to do something big. You know, I think that they've looked at Carlson. They've kept tabs on Kane in case Patrick Kane, you know, may be willing to waive a no move for them. You know, no indication on that one way or another just yet. Um, you know, they, they're also in the market for a defenseman, uh, so they've been linked to a lot of the familiar characters. I, I think that Edmonton is of the mind, and, and they should be as an organization when you have the two players at the top end of their roster, that they've got to do absolutely anything they can to give those players the best chance to win a Stanley Cup. And, and you know, I could see them, when all is said and done, adding a forward and a defenseman. You know, it's going to take the roster juggling you're, you're mentioning um, because, you know, whether it's Jesse Pugliarvi, Warren Fogle, you know, some of the guys that make, you know, decent decent buck at the bottom end of the, the lineup, I think that there, there are certainly candidates to be moved to create that room. And, and so we'll see where the Oilers end up. I mean, you're right. The Carlson stuff has definitely gone quiet, but it's not 100% dead. I mean, I think that there's still – that there's still a Hail Mary that can happen in the next week where that, that happens. Now, I'm not saying it's likely, but the Oilers have definitely kept tabs on that situation. And, and really what stopped it from advancing at all is that, you know, San Jose is asking a pretty big price, you know, in terms of assets to get Carlson. They see him as a positive value asset, even with his contract. And, and they haven't been willing to retain more than 20 or maybe 25% in talks. Now, in the next week, if that changes, maybe it's, it's game on again. And so it, it could be a dramatic week in Edmonton um, because, you know, I, I don't think they're focused on one thing or one particular player, but they're, they, they're looking to make a splash if they can. And, and to me, there's a fit there still with Carlson. I know, I know there's all these challenges, but there's also an opportunity for both the Sharks to get rid of, you know, that contract and, and for Edmonton to really send a charge to their team.
Yeah, would be pretty spectacular to see adding Carlson to that roster. Uh, let's just put a bow on this conversation by talking about all the Canadian teams, shall we? Which, which we talked about um, the rest of them. So Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, Winnipeg. Which one of those teams do you expect to be the most active at the deadline, either as buyers or sellers? Probably win it. Uh, tough one. I mean, Vancouver's, you know, as we know, is actively trying to sell. You know, they've got Brock Besser's yeah. name out there. Pretty aggressive. I, I think that they're also in a position now using their LTI space that they can they can maybe take on a bad contract or be a third-party broker. I think they're trying to get involved in, in creating more assets um, for themselves. So, you know, I think they'll be reasonably active. Montreal, the problem is, you know, that the players that they had to sell either are having tough years, uh, you know, Guys like Jonathan Drouin, even Evgeny Dadnov, you know, Sean Monaghan has been injured since December. Joel Edmondson got injured. So, you know, a lot of the pieces they might have been, been you know, taking the market and, and still have on the market just don't have a lot of value right now. And so it might be a little quieter deadline than Kent Hughes had originally intended for, for the Canadians. I, I think the Jets, to me, are the biggest question mark. Uh, they, they have legit cap space. I mean, that's a team that, that – is playoff bound that has some aspirations for this year and also can just add players to the roster without subtracting anything. And so I think that they're kind of a, a dark horse, if, if you will, to make some moves. I mean, and even, you know, we reported this week that they're in on Timo Meyer. Um, you know, it's not to say they're going to make a huge splash, but I think that they're, they're actually capable of it. And I think there's a lot of reason, you know, summer 2024 looms pretty large in Winnipeg. They, they have, you know, Mark Shifley is a potential UFA. Connor Hellebuck is a potential UFA. Pierre-Luc Dubois' contract, uh, he'll, he'll be a UFA status by then. You know, there's no guarantee the team that they have that's had such a good year this year will be able to be kept intact uh, you know, beyond another year's time. And so you know, there's, there's a lot riding on, on the season in Winnipeg, and I'm curious to see what Kevin Chevaldeoff does here the next week. Yeah, he's got a lot of space, so like there's there's definitely something that he could do, which is something that you know a lot of teams wish they had was cap space. Uh, so, I mean, I know we brought you in, and, and you said there was maybe something on Kane, but uh, not that I'm going to ask you, I guess, to, to report what's going on. But last night we saw the Rangers did some roster management, which suggests that maybe they're getting ready to, to make a move. Like, my gut feeling is that he's going to be a Ranger by 3 p.m. next Friday. Like, what does your gut tell you, and, and are any other teams in the mix here for Patrick Kane? Well, I'll put it this way. I don't think it's as done as the notion is out there. You know, I, I don't know that he's fully made up his mind to, to waive his no-movement clause and to go through with it. I think if he does do that, if he decides he's willing to play somewhere else this season, the Rangers is, is the natural place for him to land, and, and there is a fit there. There's still a hole on, on the right side in, in New York's top six. You know, it, it does create complications. I mean, you might call them good problems to have, but there's, there's not necessarily a great you know, fit for him, say, on the, the power play one with the Rangers. Obviously, if you get Patrick Kane, you're playing him there. But, you know, who are you taking off that spot? I think Edmonton has a similar kind of conundrum. Um, but it's I'll a good problem to have, not, though, CJ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, sometimes, like the Oilers' power play, for example, is so good yeah. uh, that, you know, do you really want to disrupt that? No, keep in mind, I think if Patrick Kane indicated he wanted to go to Edmonton, they'd find a way to get it done. Don't Don't get me wrong, but... I guess my point is there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to these decisions, um, and you know I can say one thing I can tell you that w- was part of my my texting there is that Kane as of, as of this moment has not waived his no movement clause. I thought that I'd been given a tip that that perhaps 
he had done that and, and something was in the works in terms of a trade. But I, I don't think it's a slam dunk, as weird as it sounds. I know he's mm-hmm. played great and, and showing real signs of something this week, but I think he's having a hard time with this. I think, I think in a perfect world, in Patrick Kane's mind, he'd like to be staying in Chicago and signing an extension and moving forward with the organization. You know, at this point, I don't know that that's available to him, and so he's got to decide if he's willing to play somewhere else. And I, I think we'll know probably one way or the other within the next 24 hours. That, that's that's the sense I have. It's either going to happen or it's not, if you know what I mean. I don't think this is going to drag on another week where we're, we're unsure what the status of everything is. I think that we're going to find out that, that he's moving on or that he's going to stay in Chicago the rest of the year. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled on Twitter, and I'm sure you'll be staying close to your phone. One more week, CJ. One more week, and then you can have a couple of days off to rest because I'm sure it's been a very busy couple for you. So we'll chat again next week for the final time ahead of the deadline. Uh, but appreciate the chat as always, and have a good weekend, pal. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm enjoying it, and uh, I think we're going to have some fireworks here the next week. I don't, I don't know if but the day itself, we might be out of ammo by then, but uh, these <laughs> next know. seven days leading up to the deadline should be pretty fun. I know. When I saw yesterday the Orlov deal come through, I'm like, oh, man, Duffy, every time a trade comes through, he's probably sitting there banging his head on a wall just saying, can't you just wait? Just wait, people. I can only imagine. Uh, but Well, uh, Duffy's got us coming in today to do a spoof video, so he's already he's already getting more content <laughs> in case there's uh, not the actual, actual trades coming. So was that spoof video, like, was the was that already scheduled, or was that what he saw the trade yesterday? He's like, hey, we got to get something <laughs> Because everything's it, coming it, down now. <laughs> it was already scheduled. I mean, I don't know how much I can say because I'm still the new guy here, but uh, it was already scheduled. It's pretty funny. We'll see how our acting <laughs> skills are, but we'll have something to show is the point, whether there's there's a whole bunch of trades or not. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Sometimes, honestly, those little skits are, so are more good. entertaining than the If than you ever need a YouTube itself. rabbit hole to go down, oh. like look up. Luongo TSN panel, <laughs> the the rookie. Like, there's so many good ones from back then. Yeah, they're the best, absolute best. Uh, you're the best too, CJ. Uh, <laughs> stay by the phone. Lots of information going to be coming. I'll be refreshing my Twitter account uh, over the next 24 to, uh, to one week, I suppose. So we'll chat next week, buddy. Awesome. Have a great weekend. You as well. There he goes, Chris Johnson, our TSN hockey insider. Uh, I, I I know that, like, technically it hasn't been reported. He hasn't made a decision, and I guess he, he hasn't. But my gut tells me he's going to be a Ranger by 3 p.m. next Friday. Yeah, if only because that's the the only place that I'll go. And, and... Well, just like if, you, if you're connecting the dots, the Rangers did some interesting things yesterday, right? And you listen to how he – how emotional he was when the Tarasenko deal went through. It almost seemed like he pictured himself, you know, playing on Broadway. And then when that deal went down, it seemed like that was taken away from him. But now it sounds as though it's still possible. And he's gone on this absolute tear uh, yeah. in the last four games, seven goals, 10 points in his last four games since we were clowning on him after that Toronto <laughs> outing. Um, so I think it's literally a slap in the face to us directly, uh, us media here in Toronto. It's, it's a little personal. But, um, but they, put, they put Jake LeCision and Vitaly Kravtsov, they, they're holding them out 
for roster-related reasons, roster management Love reasons. the creativity so, from the Rangers. It, it, right? Like, it's a new one now. First we yeah. had trade-related reasons, now it's roster management reasons. And I saw Puckpedia, they had something up there where if they can get Jake LeCision on waivers and get his cap hit below uh, or, or send them down, they could accrue it. But they have to do it by tomorrow. So they have to send him down, I think, either today or tomorrow in order to accrue enough cap space to be able to afford to add Patrick Kane on March 3rd uh, at double retained and then them also sending Vitaly Kravtsov in the deal as well. That it could work. So the fact that both of those two are currently sitting out for roster management reasons, I mean, A plus B doesn't always equal C, but, like, right. if you're connecting the dots there, something's happening. Something looks like they're in motion. Or maybe in case Kane finally says, yes, I'm willing, they're at least getting their ducks in a row to make that move if he's willing to wave. And, and like I said, my gut says he's going to do it. He's going to be a ranger. And uh, Showtime on Broadway is going to be a sight to see uh, in the playoffs, especially if he, you know, has, has kicked it into a new gear here in the last week or so. so. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We will see one more week until the NHL trade deadline. Uh, on the other side, play some good call, bad call. We've got Ryan Carter going to join us also at 105, former NHLer. He's got some great stories. I was listening uh, to a podcast with him the other day, and uh, we're going to get into some interesting chats with Ryan Carter. He also covers the Wild. So we'll help tee up tonight's game uh, along with Mark Masters. The game's on TSN for tonight, by the way. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Teixeira. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. It's time for Good Call. After reviewing the play, we got a goal. Or Bad Call. So, spill it straight here. On Leafs Lunch. We'll get you out of your car lease today. It's easy as pie, a piece of cake, avoid penalties, and early termination fees. Visit LeafBusters.com. Welcome back. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julia Tesheri and Mike DiStefano with you. It's the Leafs playing the Wild tonight. Leafs celebrating Black Excellence tonight at Scotiabank Arena, uh, and we have the game on TSN 1050 and on TSN 4 tonight, so make sure you check it out. And AB, you and I have some good calls or bad calls to get to. I feel like we haven't played this one in a while, so it's been one a of bit. our faves. One of yeah. our faves. We'll get into it here. Okay, and we'll we'll start because this first one concerns Matt Murray. And, and the case with Matt Murray today is that he partook in the team's optional skate this morning. It was the first time he's uh, taken part in any group session since his ankle flared up in that game versus the Ottawa Senators three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Ish. Yeah, many it's been ago. almost a month now. <laughs> many, many moons ago against the Ottawa Senators. He's eligible to play his first game coming off LTIR at Edmonton on Wednesday, March 1st. That's this coming Wednesday. So that's the Matt Murray update. Samsonov's going to go tonight versus the Wild. But with that, good call or bad call, Matt Murray doesn't play a single game for the Leafs for the rest of the season. I mean, you you could take this one first. Uh, well, I'll start by being annoying. Like, maybe he doesn't play for the rest of the regular season. For getting into semantics, then he plays in the playoffs. <laughs> I have no idea. But uh, I'm going with bad call here. I think we see Matt Murray again in a Leaf jersey 
before the regular season, I think I think you've got to. I think you've got to see Matt Murray in a Leaf jersey again before the end of the season. So I, I'm going good call here. Um, I still like the goaltending position is an interesting one to me. You're going back call? Yeah. No, no, no. You're, you're back, right? He doesn't play a game? Sorry, yeah. I so know you're going back call, yeah. Yeah, I think, he, he, I think we see him again before the end of the year. I want to say, I want to say bad call. I hope that this is a bad call. Yeah. I'm kind of leaning good call here. So, so how do you think that shakes out then, man? So there's two things that could happen, okay? So with Matt Murray, he's, he's eligible to come off March 1st. Now, I'll say this, him skating in, in group practice today ahead of, ahead of the game, um, that's just a morning skate. It's an optional skate, so it's not like a, a hard practice, I suppose. But him hey, taking those are hard for him sometimes. Okay, well, that was a cheap <laughs> shot. I take it back. I take it back. It was a cheap no, no, no. better than that. <laughs> hey, listen, you're not. That's it's it's a valid comment. Um, but so it does maybe point to he he should be coming back rather soon. The problem is there's just not a bit a a, a trust level here when it comes to Matt Murray and my yeah. and Leafs Nation. Like I just I can't trust that when he's finally ready to get back into the into the. A crease that he's going to be good to go because I thought that was going to be the case when he went to go and play the game against the Ottawa Senators and look what happened. An ankle flare-up and it's been a month. A month. And it's been very ominous as to what exactly is going on. Like It didn't seem as though anything happened. And like We've seen him. So today he was on the ice for a group session. So he was with this team for morning skate. But we had gone down like a couple of weeks ago and he was coming out and he was getting putting in some work after practice. And he looked like he was going side to side, post to post, rather fine. So it's it's really peculiar what's going on with Matt Murray. But I'll tell you why. Maybe this is very much uh, conspiracy theory. But perhaps they use Matt Murray's LTIR cap space to make a move at the deadline. Like I think there's a possibility that this could happen. And you now I'm not saying this is circumvention. Clearly, there's a, there's an injury here with Matt Murray. But we've been here before with Freddie Anderson. And the guy didn't end up coming back. I think it was till like the second or or the very last game of the season in in uh, was it like two years ago. Yeah. So I, I, maybe they learn from those that mistake and they put Matt Murray on LTIR and they just say, you know what, let's just kind of shut him down and they use that cap space to to bring in a big fish and make another big deal because with him on LTIR that gives him four and a half million in in cap space to make a deal. If they bring him back. There's a lot less money to, to make a big trade. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. But with Matt Murray, it's, it's very ominous what's going on with him. We don't really have much updates. Um, I don't know. Like I, I, I want to say bad call, but I'm kind of leaning good call. Yeah, yeah, interesting one. So, again, eligible to come off LTIR March 1st. It'll be Samsonov that goes tonight. And it remains to be seen what happens with Matt Murray. Okay, good call, I also call think back. the team might want to get a look at Joe Wall, too. So, like, by having yeah. Murray you know, sit out, it gives him a longer look at, at Joseph Wall. But but so. my only thing is, like, they don't have very long to look. The deadline is in seven days. If they don't know what's going on with Matt Murray, like, yeah, I guess they will need to look at Joe Wall because that's what you got. Maybe they do have know about what's going on with Matt Murray, and, yeah. and they're just not telling oh, I'm us sure what's happening with Matt Murray. I, I, I'm right? sure that they do, totally. But, yeah, not, not, very, not very much time there if they are going to do something goaltender-wise. Yeah. Um, I got distracted. Okay, good call or bad call. Leafs will add an impact defenseman before 
March the 3rd, one week from today, next Friday. I'm going Great call. Yeah, excellent Great call. call. Beautiful call. I'd call this every day of the week. This is like the call they had. Um, I, I just watched back the last part of the Miracle game because it was the anniversary. It was as good of a call as that call. Do you believe in miracles? It's a great call. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's well. So here's here's the question though. Like, it's a great call. They need to, but do you believe they will? Like, this is this is the question that's being asked. Will they add that impact defenseman? Are they willing to give up pieces to go out and get that guy? And who is that guy for you, Julia? Uh, I don't know who that guy is for me. Like, Gavrikov is an attractive guy that's been bouncing around our, our airwaves all kind of year, and, and with the deal falling through with the Bruins yesterday, we just heard CJ say maybe that price will come down soon, so, so that could be a natural fit. We've also heard that Edmonton and L.A. are also kind of in poking around on Gavrikov. So uh, he's a guy that I find interesting. Luke Shen, you know, I find very interesting. He's sitting Is Luke Shen an impact ad for you, though? Like, for no. me, he's not an impact ad. Like, I, if that's, that's the point. trade, to me, this that, that doesn't fulfill the requirements of this good call. If it's Luke Shen, that's not an impact ad for me. Like, for the guys who I'm thinking, Gavrikov, you know, Jake McCabe, I think maybe Nick Jensen might be able to sneak into that if he could play top four minutes. Uh, you know, he's a good, steady, right-shot defenseman uh, who I think could be a number four alongside Mark Giordano and kind of be a shutdown pair. Connor Murphy is a player who I've been very high on a lot uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah. Maybe they can try and pry him out of Chicago if they're going full scorched earth. Like, those are the type of impact ads. Dudes who can play 20 minutes, a, a real legitimate top four option. You know, not, not like a, a Justin Hall, Luke Shen, where it's like, yeah, we could put him in the top four. But is he really going to be the impact that a top four guy gives you? Like, that's where I'm looking. And that's why it's interesting because the cap space does become problematic for Toronto. Because in order to go and get those guys, you got to have the cap to do it. You could do the double retention. You could, as CJ said, maybe trade guys off your roster, whether that's a Justin Hall. Maybe it's a, a Kerfoot or an Engvall, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a Sandine if you're looking to go and get somebody with, with some term. Um, or you could send guys down to the minors and roll with a 20-man unit, right? Just 20 guys on your active roster to also open up some cap space. So there's ways to get it done. It's whether or not the Leafs are willing to do it and are they willing to pay the price to get it done. And I think they should be. Like Whether they will, I don't know. We'll find out in the next week. But they definitely should be because as I talked about this with Dave Feshuk yesterday, this is an all-in year for Toronto. They made their Troy Tulowitzki deal with the Ryan O'Reilly trade last uh, last week, and here at the deadline, they got to go and double up and go all in and go get their David Price. They got to go get their top four defenseman, and now I feel that even more, especially after seeing Dmitry Orlov go and beef up that Boston defense. You kind of got to now make it a- another counter move to their counter move in a way. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, okay, next one. Ugh, this one's so sad. Good call or bad call? Both Crosby and Ovi miss the playoffs. Ugh. Yikes. That makes me feel so old and sad and and tragic. But right. um, You want me to break it down where we're sitting here for the playoff race? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So currently as it stands, 
You know, Carolina, Jersey, and the Rangers comfortably the three spots of the Metro. Boston, Toronto, Tampa comfortably have the three spots locked up in the Atlantic. So if we look at the wild card race, only two teams can make the playoffs out of that race. And according to CJ, Ottawa still thinks they're in it. So I guess there's seven teams who may be going for it. Uh, seven teams, only two spots available. Pittsburgh currently has 63 points, one point out of the playoff spot. Um and Washington has 62 points, two points out of a playoff spot, but has three games more played than Detroit. So at the time of this good call, bad call, both on the outside looking in, how does it play out? Do both of these guys miss out on the playoffs, good call or bad call? Yeah, Washington on a six-game losing streak, Penguins on a four-game oh. losing streak. Like, it's not very cute right now, A.B. It's not good. Um no. Oh, Pitt got hate- demolished by Edmonton last night. Just straight up demolished. It was like seven-two. McDavid had four points. So it wasn't great. Yeah, and they don't and have it very easy. They've got the Lightning. They've got the Predators. They've got the Lightning again. Panthers, Blues tomorrow. Like, oh, Washington lost like to Anaheim. Anaheim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, unfortunately, I think it's a good call, AB. <sighs> Isn't that Which sad? Which is sad. Gonna, like, yeah. both of those teams kind of did the same thing. They both ran it back. They both brought their cores back. They, The Penguins, there's so much drama this summer with Malkin, and, and they end up getting Geno back to to run it back one more time. So so how do you think? And Latang. Like, yeah, and Latang. So are we going to do this with, with Ovi and Sid, what we're doing with, with Patty Kane right now? Uh... So, not this year. I don't think so. I, I think those guys will finish out their careers. Those guys are I, I legacy really guys. Like they have yeah. to retire as a pen and a capital. Yeah, I think they've I got think... their cups. I mean, you could say Kane has his cups too. He doesn't have to to move on and go play elsewhere. But I, I think that these guys probably will finish up as as Penguins and and Capitals. I, I know ownership wants them to do that as well, and I think they do deep down. Um, but yeah, it's. I'm going to say good call on this as well, JT. I, I, it's unfortunate, but we may have a playoffs for the first time since uh, when would it be? Like 0506 or 0607, where neither Crosby or Ovechkin are going to be participating. And I think it's mainly because I look at three teams right now as the teams who I feel are stronger than them and better positioned to make the playoffs. I'm looking at Detroit, who's currently in a playoff spot, 64 points. Um, and they've only got 57 games played, and they've been on fire of late. They've gone seven of the last ten, and they got a couple games against Ottawa this weekend. If they win those, they'll be comfortably in a playoff spot. And then I look at Florida, who's starting to pick it up of late, and Buffalo, obviously, who uh, who beat Tampa last night, actually. I think Buffalo still has a chance. they got only 56 games played. So you got five games in hand and are five points back at the Islanders and uh, only two points back at Detroit with a game in hand as well. So I think yeah. Detroit, Florida, Buffalo, and probably the Islanders are the, the four teams that I feel most strongly about when it comes to that wild card race. And unfortunately, yeah. that leaves Pittsburgh and uh, Washington on the outside looking in. Pitt's goaltending's a mess. Like that's that's their biggest issue. The goaltending is just god awful. Tristan Jari can't trust him. I mean, Casey DeSmith, I mean, he's a backup goalie. He's not going to come and, and you know run the show for you either. So that's that's the situation with uh, with Washington and Pitt. Unfortunately, we'll see what they do at the deadline. Seems like Washington's already waved the 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 white flag. I'll be curious to see what happens with uh, with Pittsburgh. I don't see them selling. But we'll see how aggressive they are in the market when it comes to buying. If they yeah. think that they've 
you know, still got a shot. Uh, all right, maybe we could do one uh, after yeah, dark in a little bit. Yeah, let's do this one after dark on the other yeah. side because I want to play this this uh, Barubi sound just ripping on his blues team. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll do that. Uh, we got puck picks coming up on the other side. We'll help tee up tonight's game, which you can watch on TSN4, Leeson Wild. We'll also have Ryan Carter join the show, former NHL or wild color analyst. Uh, so he'll join us at uh, 105. And Mark Masters, leader of Masters Nation at 130. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tichere. You listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword keyword lunch and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. Okay, we didn't get to this one when we were doing bad call, good call, bad call rather, a few minutes ago. So we have to play this audio. Uh, the good call, bad call question AB is Did the Leafs break the Blues? <laughs> Uh, sounds like it. This is what Baruby said after his, his team's loss last night. A lot of our best players not doing the job. Why do you think that's the case? I don't know. you have to ask them, Jim. I guess they don't care about the team. I don't know. Not sure why. We have a lot of guys competing. Like, there's a handful of guys really competing and doing the job. But, again, you know, our best players aren't even close. Our, our best players don't play with any passion, no emotion, and no no inspiration at all. They don't play inspired hockey. You cannot play in this league without emotion, grit, being inspired. Um, they're getting paid lots of money, and they're not showing. They're not doing the job. End of story. That's it. Wow. So wow. I'm I'm into that. Like I, I I saw some some whining about it on the timeline last night. Like how about the coach take some accountability, that sort of thing. Like. I thought that was yeah. a really honest and and raw moment from Craig Berube. I know it's a it's a is it a little much? Yeah, is well, it? Uh, it in terms like, of the accountability like, thing, though, like like Sheldon Keith had a very similar comment, uh, you know, the other day where he said, "I can't get on the ice and do it for him." Yeah, you know what I mean. When it comes to when it comes to the effort level of the team and, and playing with passion, with like, emotion, like coach can't do a, that. No, that's the players. That's on them. Once they hit the ice, they got to go and they got to find that third gear. And if you're not bringing it, I mean, it's fair criticism for the coach to to point that out. Completely fair. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and of course, like you got to feel for the guys in the Blues room. They, they, uh, lots of guys were a part of that championship team. You see the core start to get dismantled with O'Reilly getting traded. Uh, Charlie wasn't part of that championship team, but but he gets dealt too. So I can understand there being like. Tarasenko. A little bit of Tarasenko, yeah. A little bit of lack of inspiration around that room right now. But uh, yeah. either way, your guys that you lean on have to show up to the rink every day and be inspired and be committed to what your group is trying to do. So, one of my like crazy post game rant for sure. Like a little like was it a bit of an aggressive post game rant? Sure. Was he wrong? No, not at all. No. They were up no. 2 nothing on the Canucks last night, and they blew a 2 nothing lead in the third to the Vancouver Canucks and lost in overtime. It's not very good. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, you look at the underlying numbers, too. They only generated five high-danger chances the entire night, three of Terrible. which coming in overtime, which means they had two high-danger chances through the first 60 minutes of regulation. They gave up 18 in that time span to uh, to Vancouver. The expected goal differential, 63% 
for Vancouver. So um, although they were up 2 nothing, they were not playing well. They were getting outworked, and Bennington was standing on his head last night up until the third period. And then uh, it, the overtime goal probably wasn't a great one. Um, Patterson goes coast to coast and then kind of beats beats him cleanly. Uh, but, yeah, clearly the Blues, I don't know, they do seem like they're playing a little uninspired since they, you know, just same as the Washington Capitals raised the white flag and they trade away Tarasenko, who's been a, a leader on that team for a long time now, and obviously their captain. And Ryan O'Reilly left, and we're seeing what Nolachari means to, you know, the energy that he can bring to a team and how he, he can be an infectious player. When those guys are taken out of the lineup, that's, you know, those are tough, tough spots to fill, both from a yeah. leadership perspective on and off the ice. It's tough. It is tough. And and I the full clip was on SportsCenter this morning, and the reporter got into like specifics. Do you like your young guys, how they're playing? And he said, yes, I like how the young guys playing. I like how my goalie's playing. My goalie's competing. We know we know Binner plays with passion. You know, I don't have to worry about passion yeah. when it comes to Jordan Binnington and playing with intensity. So uh, I understand the Blues being a little bit down in the dumps right now. It's not very fun to play when you know that you're probably – playing to lose ultimately and you're used to not used to winning a stanley cup but they make the playoffs consistently they had a good push last year in the postseason uh versus colorado um but there are like they're in the midst of building their new core like robert thomas is uh, is part of their new core uh kyra is part of their new core and i can understand bruby being frustrated because he said he liked the way that they were playing the young guys playing he doesn't want old guys moping around and, and creating like a bad environment in the room. I know that sounds dramatic, but I think that's what it lends to a little bit. Like even with uh it's not the same situation, but we've in Vancouver, like there's young guys there and it's a bad situation and the fans of Vancouver and, and people around Vancouver worry about those young guys coming up in a in an environment that's not good. So something that has to be kept in mind as well. Yep, absolutely, and uh, there still could be some more uh, some more guys leaving that locker room. Seven days till the NHL trade deadline. That's a team. Barbashev, they might be looking to move out a defenseman. So there's some more guys who could leave that lineup, and we'll see what type of peril uh, leaves that, that St. Louis Blues locker room in. All right, on the other side, uh, Ryan Carter, former NHL or wild color analyst, will join us and will help tee up the Wild and Leafs tonight on TSN4, and uh, Mark Masters will also help us do that at 1.30 as well. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tesherios and the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050.